0: Oh, my burning bush. Chris, hello. I'm hey, how's part it of going? Moses' team. Nice to meet you. So, as part of your application, I want you to please fill out this form. I'll come back in 10 minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank uh, you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Please check the boxes of the descriptions that apply to you. Love God more than you love anything else. Well, let's just do that. Absolutely. Don't make anything in your life more important than God. No, always say God's name with, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Honor the Lord by resting, of course, yep. Love and respect your mom and dad, given. Do not commit adultery, what's adultery? Hello, everyone. My name is Moses, and this is my master class. Wait, uh, who are you? Moi, Moses. You know, uh, uh... Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby. Uh, you may know me as the Prince of Egypt. You will when you believe. Nothing? Anyway, today we'll be learning how to build things with an emphasis on following directions. Then let's get this show on the road. Yes, yes indeed. I know we're like building a shelf or something today. Ah, uh, so. yeah, yeah. Obviously these are instructions, so yes. here, you take these, uh, okay? I'm gonna grab the connectors and... Uh, you, you know, you should really, really uh, read these instructions. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Okay. We got it. Let's see, wait, hold on. Emails here. I know the panel's there. Yes, yes. Wait, here we go, DM here. The joints are there. Actually, the panels go here and the joints go there. I'm Chris and I think everything is, I think everything's going great right now. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, wait. You're, you're on social media, right? Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Snapchat, Pinterest, Facebook. I mean, for you, probably God Book, right? Now, wait, nah, not even ChristianMingo.com. Come on, Mosey Rosie, okay? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Did you see the latest Bible version? All of it, it's in Pig Latin now. Okay, I think, and I'm pretty sure we're done. Chris. This can't possibly be correct. Why don't you give me the instructions? You know, I'm not quite sure about this Chris fellow. He seems a little distracted. Hey, hey. Dude, Rosie Mosey's taken. Can I do like Rosie Mosey underscore like 10C? It's not that bad, right? I mean, look, it's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, I guess not. Well... That concludes this episode of Masterclass with Moses. Join us next time. Really?
1: Would you give it up for our media team for putting that together? They are having, they're having way too much fun. As you can tell, this was, was great. Well, I want to introduce myself. If we haven't met yet, I'm Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome those of you here for the maybe the first time as well as those of you who are tuning in online. We're, we're continuing a series, like Pastor Chad said, called The Decalogue, which is um, an amazing series. But I want to, before we get into it, I want to share with you some updates of what's going on in um, what God is doing my life, in my life and my family uh, I, I don't know if any of you know any of you know this. Many of you do, but uh, my wife and I are really excited to welcome into the world in two weeks our new baby girl. We're so excited. We're just enthralled as parents. And so um, here's a picture. Here's a picture of our um, us just a few days ago. We were at the Polly Lookout. We're having some adventures together. There's my son Jude behind my wife, my daughter Tess. I'm flying there, and then my daughter Ellie in my arms, and. We have a little baby girl, Bun in the Oven, and my wife there, uh, Angelina, and so we're really excited. I mean, it's just like four kids. (laughs) I know that you guys can share with me some empathy right now. Four kids. It's like we're literally making disciples. I mean, this is nuts. But... um, but we're just so excited. We're so excited. I needed you to. I need to ask a favor. Is um, if you guys could just keep us in prayer. Uh, we're we're excited, but also nervous. This is just a great adventure for us. And so, um, keep us in prayer, uh, and we'll update you on uh, if anything happens. It could be any day, but the due date's in two weeks. And so, keep us in your prayers, please. Okay. Good. Thank you. Well, like I mentioned, I'm, we're in this. Second week of this messages series and um, it's the Decalogue. It's the 10 words that God gave to the people of Israel, the 10 in- words and wisdom of instruction. And, um, and there's a purpose of why he did that. You see, God was bringing and delivering his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he was, his intent was to set them free, to set them free. But because they were set free, it didn't mean that they knew how to live free. They were stuck in the past. They kept on going back and thinking about what it was like in Egypt and so in that context, God is telling them to look forward. You know, how many of us can relate to the, uh, the Israelites where sometimes we can get stuck in our past? Sometimes our presuppositions and the things that happened in our past create these prisons for us that stop us from making progress forward. And so th- this is what they're going through. And many of us, maybe you can relate to that in, in this. And so the heart and the soul behind the Decalogue is an all-powerful loving father who sets his kids free by giving them this instruction to live free. And um, l- we learned last week that we don't live under the law anymore, and, and I believe that. We don't live under the law, and so we look back and we're thinking to ourselves as we are reading this series or talking about this series, like, why are we talking about it? This is in the past. Jesus accomplished all of that, not under the law, but under the lordship of Jesus. Well, I totally agree with you, but I think that there's things that we can learn and heed from the wisdom and the words of God and the father heart that he has for us, and so that's what we're going to do. Is that okay? Okay. Amen, amen. And so today we're going to tackle the second and the third commandments. And it's uh, these two commandments here. It's idol worship. Someone say idol worship. And honoring the name of God. Say honoring his name. And so we're going to cover those two things. And, and um, after sharing that, after you saying it yourself, how many of you would think to yourself, like, well, eh, Jared, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. That's no problem at all. These instructions, the, the things that I, you know, I, I won't make graven images. I won't make idols. And then the other was, was um, using God's name. I don't have a problem with that. That's no problem. Um, I need to tell you up front that these two commandments are some of the most challenging and difficult commandments in all of scripture. And it's more true today than ever before. There's no coincidence that this is something that is repeated Not just here in Exodus, but throughout Scripture as a whole. And so we're going to tackle this today, and we're going to learn in this time that we have together why God would give us these instructions, why he would give us these commandments, and then toward the end of our time, how we can can apply the wisdom of God to our lives practically. So we're going to do that. But before we dive in, can we pray together? We can ask the Holy Spirit to just lead and guide us as we examine his words. Let's pray loving father thank you for your word thank you for the scriptures that we'll be talking about and examining today would you just move me out of the way and that you would control my voice box and you would speak lord that you would teach us the truths of the decalogue and from the law help us to grasp our deep need and gratitude for jesus that we don't live under the law but the lordship of jesus and in this space god that you would teach us that you rescue and redeem your people, not just thousands of years ago, but today, in our lives today. And so, Lord, we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Turn to the person next to you say, buckle up, because here we go. Buckle up, because here we go. You know, um, I want to ask a question before we get started is, how many of you have ever traveled to a foreign land and experienced a different culture before? Anybody? Okay, a bunch of us. Okay, some of you, you know, you've traveled to a different continent, learned a different language, and, and got to interact with a bunch of people. Maybe you, some of us, you, you, you went over to Waianae last weekend, and you experienced a different culture and a different kind of pigeon language or something like that. Um, and for me, as a young man, when I was younger, I, would, I dreamt of traveling the world. How many of you can relate to me? I dreamt of traveling the world. I dreamt of going all over the place and experiencing how people spoke and how people lived, and, and that was my dream, and by God's grace, I was able to do that when in my kind of early 20s and my 30s, where I was able to travel to places like the Philippines, like Thailand, and like Africa, and it was just phenomenal, and I want to encourage you, if you've never been on a mission trip or, or done ministry or traveled overseas, I want to encourage you to go for it. It's going to be a great eye-opening experience. And so I was able to do that, and, and I've noticed as I was going and, and experiencing these phenomenal cross-cultural experiences with these amazing people, I, I noticed um, something along the way is that a, as I was going and seeing these things, I would see how these cultures practice their worship of idols and their gods and goddesses. They worship these, their gods and their goddesses in variety of ways. And what I learned through going to these places was that many of these people would carry around their gods, their goddesses, and their idols in their pockets so that it could be close to them, so it could bless them, kind of like we do our phones. Um, I remember going into their homes, and they would have idols there. Usually, they're seated around, um, you know, this little altar, and there's furniture and chairs around this little altar, kind of like our TVs. And then, um, once in a while, all the worshipers would all get together, and they would be in these large gatherings in this building called a temple, kind of like our stadiums and our malls. (laughs) And I remember um, one specific instant in Africa uh, when I was with some friends. We're heading to church. We're leaving um, the city and heading into this thing called a township. Now, what a township was, it's like a slum. It's like this um, this horrific place with um, houses, little shanties, houses of mud and corrugated metal and um, no running water in these houses. It was just like for miles and miles and miles. There's these these little places where people live with dirt floors. And I want to show you a little picture of it. Some of you, have anybody Slum Slumdog Millionaire or like Queen of Kuwaiti? Yeah, so you, you got to get an idea. So this is what I was going to, we were driving into this and um, it went for miles and I was just completely as a Milani boy, completely eye opened, you know, like shocked. Like, I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm driving into this place and then um, we park, and, uh, and then we start walking. It was about a quarter mile to the church that we're going to to walk to. So we park, we're walking into this narrow corridor, and, um, and I remember hearing all these sounds, babies crying, people doing business in different languages. And uh, I remember as I'm walking, my friend said, hey, poke your head into that door there. And he had this big smile on my, his face. I didn't know. I was like, oh, sure, you're local here. I'm going to do whatever you say. And so... I poke my head into this little shrine looking door and I look into it and, and you'll never guess what I see. It's a, a, a an altar with these statues on it and then all I see is chicken feathers and chicken blood and chicken um, parts everywhere. And I'm kind of like freaking out at this point point. and the smell, you guys, the smell, it was like. I don't know if you've ever had this smell before, like where the smell goes through your nostrils, down your throat, and you just begin to gag. Like that was going on. like that, that, That's real talk. Like It was bad. And so I'm like, I'm like in there, and I'm smelling this, and I'm freaking out. I'm a little faint through blood. And so I'm walking out, and I catch up with my friends who kept, decided to keep on walking. And I catch up with them, and I say, hey, what was that? What was that? And, and my friend just nonchalantly said, Oh, that's just one of the many temples that are around here. These these little temples to their small uh, their gods and their goddesses of the local um, region, and and um, the witch doctor would take these chickens and sacrifice it to their deities so that the people that bring the chickens would get blessing and favor from their deity. And I was just like, "Whoa! This is what am I walking into? This is wild. This is crazy." And so I, I continue, and I'm kind of like just again culture shock at this point and we finally make it to the church and it's under this thatched roof where there's these amazing devoted followers of Jesus there the they're, they're remnant small group of people but they love Jesus and we have a church service we're worshiping God and then after the service we get to talk story and I'm talking story and then one of the ladies from the worship team stops me he, and she, we start talking and, and she asks me um, hey have you been in Africa before is this your first time and I said yeah this is my first time and she said um, so, um, what do you think? And I was like, um, well, it's different, you know? <laughs> like, it's a little different from what I'm used to, but it's all, it's great, you know? And then I just tried to change the subject, so I said, hey, have you ever been to the United States before? You know, have you ever? And she said, actually, I have. And I said, wow, that you know, we're way out here. That's awesome. Um, um, what would you think about it? And what she said next, I would never forget. This is what she said. She said, well, I don't think I'll ever go back because I can't handle the idol worship that goes on over there. Now, the first three words that came out of my mouth was, what? For real? Like, are you kidding me? And, and in my mind, I was thinking, that. I didn't say this, but I was thinking, lady, I think the chickens would have to disagree with you on that one. I think if you take a poll of all the chickens here, they would agree that you're the people with the idol worshiping problem, not us. But you know what, can I tell you something? After that conversation, I I began to think about it and and I came to realize something really important. It's that it's so easy to view idols in other people's cultures more so than it is our own. And so today we're gonna dive into that that perspective, that idea of what this lady was sharing with me way back then that really shocked me because um, we're gonna talk about these two words. And these two words I want you to keep in the front of your mind and the first word is this? I want to give you a definition. It's idolatry, and it's anything or anyone that we express extreme admiration, love, or reverence for. That's the word idol. That's the definition. I love definitions. It's so good. Another word that I want us to think about is the word worship. Worship. Um, what is worship? Harold, Harold Best, this, this guy who wrote a book called Unceasing Worship, he defines this word so well. He says that worship is the continuous outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I will ever become in light of choose, chosen or choosing God. I love that definition. And so with these two words in your, the front of your mind, here's the big idea today that we're gonna talk about. And it's this, if you're taking notes, did you jot this down? It's this, that everyone worships all the time. Repeat after me. Everyone worships all the time. Turn to the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you. I think he's talking about Yeah. It's all of us. And maybe you're here today and, um, and you're new to this whole church thing and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. I'm so happy that you're here. We're stoked. Uh, you might be surprised to hear that you two also worship something. You see, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, worship is hardwired into our DNA. Everyone who is living is always worshiping by pouring themselves out to someone or something and worshiping nothing is not an option. It's not an option. I love how the great philosopher Peter Keith says it this way. He says it this way. He says, opposite of Christianity is not atheism, but idolatry. Not atheism, but idolatry. And so it's this in this context in this way we're going to discover that in this pivotal strategic point in history God shares His manao with the people of Israel with His kids who have been enslaved in Egypt for over four thousand years four thousand years someone say that's a long time that's a long time four thousand years that's a long time and so it's in this foreign land that they would have been exposed to not just one not just three but over 2,000 gods and goddesses in Egypt. It was just this huge group of gods that they would have been exposed to every single day and they would have to interact with every single day. And um, I need to share this because I'm a bit of a nerd and I over-prepared for you. I really like this and and I was interested, um, as I was reading and studying this week, uh, I was interested in the gods of Egypt within the Exodus story and um, this is so neat. I need to share this with you. I think that many of us are familiar with the confrontation of Moses and Pharaoh, right? Where Pharaoh, you know, Charlton Heston, you know, he comes before Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, and Pharaoh rejects Moses, right? He rejects Moses, but not just Moses. He rejects God, and again and again, Moses is trying to tell him, let him go. This is the one and true God. He's the one that's sending me. Let them go, and and Pharaoh has nothing to do. He wants to reject whatever Moses is saying. And so God in his compassion wants to change Pharaoh's mind, to change all of Egypt's mind and let them know that he is the one true God over everything. And so what does he do? He goes to war with the gods of Egypt, the gods that, that the false gods that they trusted in and believed in. And so he does something very unique. He uses plagues, ten of them. And he, he confronts them and he shares with them some um, incredible things about himself through it. You see, the Egyptians, here's one of them. The Egyptians believed that there was a sun god. His name was Ra. And he was a sun god of Egypt. He was one of the most powerful gods in all of Egypt. And, um, and they believed and they trusted in him. This was uh, Out of the many gods, this was one of the top gods that they believed in. And in his attempt to show to them that this God is not a real God, he, to prove to them how strong he is and how, how little he, the other gods are, he sends the ninth plague, the ninth plague, which was darkness. And darkness came over the land for three days, just complete darkness. And they're praying to Ra, and they're saying, god, Ra, like put the sun back, you're the sun god, and it would fall on deaf ears because God is showing them that he's the real and true God over all the gods and he's the one who is large and in charge. Yes, he's the one that rules the day. And so in this space, the heart of a loving God, he warns the people of Israel with the second commandment and here it is in verse four in Exodus 20. Well, let's read this all together in verse four. Ready, go. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. In other words, what God is saying is, you know those gods that you used to worship, you used to interact with every day, the raw and Nile God and all these other things? They're not real. Like, you Don't trust in those gods anymore. They won't fulfill you. They may promise to, but they will never fulfill you. And so you may be sitting here and um, you may be thinking, because as I was studying, I was thinking to myself, what, what, what would I think about this situation? Well, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, well, Jared, I, I'm not, you know, like that's something that ancient primitive people struggled with who were very superstitious. I don't have a, a totem pole. I don't have a golden calf. I don't bow down to rocks. I do enjoy KFC from time to time. I don't sacrifice it like Africa, but I, 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 I don't do any of that. So how is this relevant to my life right now? Well, here's why. I believe this is truer for us today than ever before, because, like Egypt, there are so many. In fact, there are thousands of idols that we can choose from to worship. And w- remember what I said when with the definition of idols is anything or anyone we express extreme admiration, love, or reverence for. And so every day, all of us have the option of worshiping a god or an idol, and um, it might be something that you know and are closest is closer to you than you think. And so. I want to ask you as you're processing through the definition of idol, I want to ask you what is the God or what is the idol that you struggle in worshiping the most right now? What, and and that's the question, is who or what do you worship? Who or what do you worship? Who or what do you pour yourself out for? Who or what do you run to for love, value, and affirmation? You know, I asked myself that question this week and um, I asked it this way. I asked, you know, uh, whenever the bottom falls out in my life, what do I grab a hold of first? What do I trust in first? And um, a few things come to mind, maybe you're thinking about this too, is my spouse. I think, man, when, I, when, I, when something goes on in my life, I go to my spouse, I want the affirmation, I want her to love me and uh, feel fulfilled by her, and so I go to her. Or it could be, maybe for yourself, it could be your friends, where you go to your friends and if they reject you, you feel broken and alone. Or it could be maybe a job, a career, where you sacrifice all your time and your talent and everything else so that you could be successful and so that you can have a name for yourself. It could be our bank accounts or our 401K or the way that we were brought up in our values. It could be something unhealthy like our possessions or even an addiction where every time we go through a struggle, every time something happens in our life, we run to the bar or we run to get medicated in some way. For um, some of us, it might be something very simple like, like our phones. Just like we saw in the, uh, the video with Chris, right? Pastor Brett, he played this guy Chris who, who was distracted because God was giving him, instru- or Moses was giving him instructions and he, he was distracted because there's things that distract us from God and his instructions to our lives. And so it could be our phones or social media. We're trying to get as much likes or follows and it's consuming us. It could be something that I didn't mention at all But you know deep down in your heart what that is. And so what is it? What is it? Maybe you're here, you're a follower of Christ, and if you're being honest with yourself, you would say that there are still areas in your life where there are things and people that hold precedence deep down in your heart that are priority in your heart over God at times. Because here's the thing, and I want you to listen closely here, is that what we choose to worship is what we live for. What we choose to worship is what we live for and that determines everything in our lives. And so right now, I want to ask us to do something a little um, off the wall here. I want to ask you to do something a little crazy with me. Is... um, is uh, if you have a pen, I want you to pull out your pen right now, okay? So just a little something different. If you have a pen, pull out your pen right now. If you don't have a pen, I'm gonna ask, uh, I didn't prepare them, but I'm gonna ask our host team to just carry some pens to have available for you. And if you don't have a pen, just go ahead and um, ask the person next to you. If you could borrow it just for a moment, just for a short time, because um, what I wanna ask you to do is that that idol that you have in your head, that that, that thought, that thing that you can think of that could be potentially an idol in your life, I want to ask you to write what's on your head, in your head on your hand. Did he just say write it on your hand? <laughs> yes. I want you to write it on your hand. And I know it's a little awkward and I know it's a bit, big ask, but I want to ask you to um, do this because we're going to do something toward the end that's going to make a lot of sense. But, but um, as you're writing it on your hand, I want to share with you one of my greatest struggles and one of my biggest idols. Can I share with you that? Let me be a little vulnerable with you. This is one of my greatest idols. Here it is. The Raiders. Yes. I'm just kidding. Now the Raiders, is, I'm just excited for the football season, but they're not a great idol for me, though I, love, I like them. Not love them. I like them, but they're, um, they're great. This is the real thing. This is the, one of the greatest idols in my life. On my hand, it's my family. It's my family. Now, some of you are here and you're thinking to yourself, what? I mean, it's not, you're, you're not talking about an addiction or like alcohol or something that you struggle with, with like something that's um, destructive for you. It's your family. That's a good thing. Family's a good thing. We live in Hawaii and Hawaii is all about family and ohana means family and it's just all about that. That's a good thing, Jared. I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree. I believe that they're a, a, such a good thing, they're a gift from God. But how many of you know that maybe there are times where God would give us good things and at times we would see the blessing, um, we, would, we, we would treasure the blessing over the blesser and what ends up happening is that if we're not careful in intentionally putting God first in our life, putting him on the throne of our hearts, what can end up happening is, and here's your next fill in the blank, would you jot this down? Our idols can take a good thing and turn it into a God thing. Our idols can take a good thing And turn it into a God thing. Last week we talked about the little G's in our life. The little gods in our lives. Um, Not the big G, but the little G's. These gods. And so sometimes that good thing, like our families, or our spouses, or our kids, or our careers, or that second glass of wine, or whatever is written on your hand, can subtly come to the source of where we have our hopes in or we, we have our acceptance and our love and that's where it comes from and we build our lives around and on these things and our purpose and our values is based on them, these good things, and they soon become God things in our lives. Now the problem is this, with this is that um, there are times when these gods in our lives, these idols in our lives, though they're so good, when they disappoint us, when they don't deliver, what ends up happening is we choose other gods over them. We, so just say, for example, if my wife isn't loving me the way that I'd like, I'd go to another idol, another good thing in order to get that feeling of what I need. Or if, it, if my friends aren't telling me what I need to hear, I'm going to another idol to fill my need or my tank. And so I'm building my life on affirmation or things around me that I need rather than going to God and what the Father's heart is saying here is no you don't have to choose idols around you I will be your deepest fulfillment and your deepest need I'll fill that God sized hole in your heart and in this relationship you will live from love and not for love you will live from love and not for love and so for me this is a constant reminder to help me remember that, that my family is an amazing gift from God but if they are not. If God is not first in my life, then, then things are gonna fall apart. Only God can fulfill the longings of my heart. And so, let me just share this, by the way. Um, God loves my family a billion times more than I do. He loves them a billion, ta- billion times more than I do. He wants me to be the best father, the best husband, the best friend to them as best as I can. But it requires for him to be first in my life and then everything else will be taken care of. And so, that's what God is sharing as he brings this God continues to warn his kids in verse 5 in this verse check this out this is really good let's read this verse all together in fact verse 5 ready go you shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God punishing the children of the sins of their parents to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me wow that's kind of heavy someone say that's heavy that's heavy I mean why would God call himself a jealous God? Why would God do that? I mean, is he some insecure cosmic being who waits for his worshipers to remind him how awesome he is? Is that what he's doing here? No. What God is doing is he, he's giving them a choice. He gives us a choice because he loves us. It's kind of like this. If I went to someone and I said, hey, David, um, you know, I, want, I want to give you ice cream because I love you. Um, what flavor do you want, vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. So, sorry, one or the other, man. <laughs> Vanilla. Sorry, you get chocolate. That's like messed up, isn't it? Like, why would you do? Would you give me a choice? God gives us this beautiful choice and this free will to choose him not. He doesn't make robots. He makes us have that desire or not to desire him. But God knows. This is what God in the depths of his heart knows. He knows that nothing else will satisfy that God-sized hole in our heart except for him. And so God is not interested in sharing the throne of your heart. He's not interested in sharing the throne of your heart any more than your husband or your wife would be okay with you dating around. He's a jealous God. And because of that, love is exclusive and he wants this intimate connection with us above all other things. And so here's what God will do. He'll put himself often in a direct competition with the other idols in our lives that we worship. And he'll say this. He'll say, you choose. You choose between God and money. You choose between me and sex. You choose between me and that relationship. You choose between me and that promotion. And he doesn't give us the option of making him one of many like in Egypt. And because God knows what he, we need, he, he begins to show us why it's important that he's the one in the, first in our life because he knows that idols rob us of his best. That's your next fill in the blank. Idols rob us of his, of his best. And his desire is that we would not settle for something less than his best. Why, which is why God continues in verse 5 by saying this. This is kind of cool. He says, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. You know, I grew up hearing these analogies when I was younger. It was um, these, these analogies. Maybe you can finish them for me. Maybe you heard them. Is um, The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or like father, like... Um, I heard this song when I was younger. It was this uh, Cat Steven cover song of this person, Harry Chapman's song, The Cat in the Cradle. Anybody remember that song, Cat in the Cradle? And there's this haunting refrain in that, that song, and it goes like this. It goes, you know I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. Man, I could be part of the worship team, right? (laughs) This is good, right? (laughs) Why are you guys laughing? Gosh. Anyway, this is what God is saying in this verse. He's saying, all he's saying is, all those who hate me, what he's talking about is parents who hate God, who raise kids who hate God, who raise grandkids who hate God who raise great grandkids who hate God and it's this vicious cycle and, ha- and it has a potential to continue on for generations to come and that's what he's saying through this verse and how many of us have experienced a negative cycle of something going through our families maybe it was I, I, I've, I've I've talked to many people who, who come up to me and say, you know what, my grandfather was abusive and that my parents were, because of that, abusive. And then I, you know, I'm starting to be around my kids. I can't handle my anger around them. And so, and there's this thing that continues. It could be a divorce where there's this constant, or it could be a, um, just an addiction that continues to go on and go on and on through generations. Many of us maybe have, that's our stories for a while. And what God is saying through these scriptures, he's warning his people through his mercy that when we choose idols, it robs us. It robs us of his best, but not just us, not just us as personally, this is really important, but it robs us, and not just us, but our futures, the people around us, the people that are coming after us, the people with your last name that he wants to be friends with. It'll rob us, and so the consequences of that is that our kids become like us, our grandkids become like us, our great-grandkids become like us. And so the good news is this, and we need to hear some good news right about now. Can someone say good news? We need some good news. And so this is what God says in verse, the next verse, the very next verse, in verse 6. God says this. He says, but showing what? Showing love to how many generations? A thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. In other words, what God is saying is that in his wisdom, he's saying to his kids, this is your next fill in the blank jot this down it's all about relationship it's all about this relationship that we have together you see God is telling us that he's really happy to pour out his grace on our families he's really grace to restore and redeem us he's really happy to have people with your last name be friends with him long after you're gone but here's the key and the emphasis of this verse here he says this love him listen and obey his words because God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your kids. He wants to bless your grandkids. He wants to bless your great-grandkids. For how many generations? A thousand generations. This is the, heart, the father heart of God. He loves his children. He loves his children's children. He loves his children's children's children. And for God, it's all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's all about relationship with him. And so in the third commandment, this is where it comes in. The third commandment says this in verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You know when I heard that verse when I was younger I always thought that that it meant you know, like I, and if I cuss and then add God's name in there, that, that's a bad thing. I'm breaking this commandment. Or it could be where I'm like texting somebody and I add OMG to the back of the text. That's like dishonoring God's name. And it could be all of those things. But let me share with you a different point of view, a perspective that's a deeper meaning in the primary intent of this text um, uh, as we read it in another version. I want to share with you the New King James Version because I think it expresses this a bit more accurately. It's the same verse, but let me read it to you in this way. It says this, you shall not take. Someone say take. Take. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And so what does he mean by take? Well, the word take in Hebrew means a few different things. It means to bear, to carry. It has the idea of taking upon yourself. For example, I want you to imagine with me a bride who is going to marry her fiancé. And the date comes, and they finally say, yes, I do, I do, and they get married. And what essentially happens, it can go either way, but um, what often happens is the wife will take the husband's last name as uh, just a commitment, as a a picture of what this marriage bond looks like. But what happens after um, the marriage, if... The wife chooses, maybe shortly after that, a couple days after, chooses to go and date around and, and meet with other guys and be unfaithful with her husband. What is she essentially doing? She's taking his name, her husband's name, in vain. She's, he, she's saying, I, am, I belong to you. We're together. We are committed. I love you. But yet, I'm going to choose to do whatever I want in this way. And in that, you're, she's not showing that com- commitment and love and exclusivity with her husband and so the same concept is true with the Lord it could look like us taking his name the name of Christ by calling us Christians and yet there's no impact change and commitment in our relationship with Christ and it could be it could look like us just worshiping him with our lips and walking away walking away from him with our lives and our God who is all about relationship, who loves us, is saying, don't do that. Don't, don't, dear one, don't do that. Don't take my name in vain. In fact, Jesus addresses this commandment in Matthew um, 6, 9, and I remember seeing this prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray. He, I remember seeing this prayer when I was little. It was a prayer that went like this. Our Father, who art not in heaven, what's the next line? Hallowed be your name hallowed be your name Jesus is saying that your name is to be honored it's to be respected it's to be revered it's to be hallowed and the opposite of hallowing God's name is to take his name in vain and so Jesus is teaching not to violate the third commandment by honoring God's name with our lives with our lives which brings us to our last point and it's this if you're taking notes jot this down number two he made the first move he made the first move, and this, this week, um, let me share with you, as I was preparing this message, I was kind of stuck and not sure how I was going to kind of share this thought with you of why we worship God. You know, I, I realize why we worship God is because we we're created. It says in scripture that we were made by God for God, and, um, and so I understand that intellectually, but somebody asked me point blank this week, why out of all the functional idols that you could worship, why is it that you worship God personally? And I just sat in that, and I was wondering, why is it personally that worship God? And and here's what came to mind. It was these two scriptures. The first one was this. And can we read this all together? It's this one. First John, John four nineteen. It says this. Ready, go. We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. I realized that that because God first loved us, that's why we love. And the, the next quish, uh, scripture was out of Romans and it was Romans 5, 8, and this is Paul saying this. He said this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You know why I worship God? Is because I, I come to realize that my life before I met him was going into a place of self-destruction, addiction, and brokenness. And in the midst of that, God grabbed a hold of my hand and said, I'm going to walk you to freedom. And he reminded me of this as I'm reading and as I'm studying the scriptures. He reminded me of this, that all the other idols and the gods in my life demand a sacrifice. They demand a sacrifice. Egyptians, they sacrifice to their god. Africans, they sacrifice to their, their gods with chickens. And so even today, we sacrifice our time, our talent, our treasure to our gods. But what God is saying in making the first move is, I will be the sacrifice. I will be the one that moves first because I love you, because I want to give it all up, because I care about you, and I want a relationship with you. And so God makes the first move in our lives. And so all of this, all of this forgiveness of sins, eternal life, freedom from bondage, um, escape from slavery, it's ours. It's yours. It's your children's. It's your children's, 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 children. If we choose to belong to the one God and worship Jesus, our Savior, our Savior,